Hey everybody, it's Chris. Um, I, with apologies to Dave, our guest this episode, we got off to some technical difficulties at the beginning and some technical difficulties at the end. This episode ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, which is going to give us our first ever two-parter, and hopefully that second part will happen this week, but I'll have to keep you posted as the week goes on. So uh, it, it ends with a question posed to Dave that he doesn't get to answer this episode. Um Aside from that, uh, if you just uh, use the new upcoming calendar that's on Facebook and the site, senserightnow.com, uh, that'll let you know when, when you're going to get to hear Dave's answer. Um, and other than that, we'd still appreciate it if you took a look at the listener survey and, and maybe five or ten minutes uh, worth of aing some cues would uh, just give us some insight into who's listening beyond people in recovery. And you can also find that on uh, the podcast page at senserightnow.com. And lastly... Uh, Jeff's mic was off this episode for about the first 10 minutes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober. K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R and SinceRightNow.com with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, Day, Book, of 100Pedals.com. Here we go. Here's, here's Dave. So we'll talk about this later. Dave. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey, uh, it's Chris, and I've got Jeff. Hi, Dave. And Matt. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Dave. Hi, Matt. All right. So yeah, no, we were just talking about. Uh, I got a new uh, a new intro for the the podcast. Your episode will be the first one to introduce it. So we've got that going. Um, and yeah, I think we can just jump right in since maybe we're starting a little bit late. And um, I, as with your episode, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you um, to introduce yourself maybe and then uh, I guess catch the audience up with what 100 Pedals is the way you, you want to express it in your words. Okay, cool. Um, it's very informal, Dave. So I love that. Okay. Uh, you know, that's the West way we roll. Right, okay. Cool. Well, 100 Pedals is this, a business or an organization that I started based on my experiences with my youngest son, who's 27, and his eight-year journey with uh, his heroin addiction. And as a parent of a child with a heroin addiction, you know, I probably spent the first two years or first 18 months of my experiences with that news in a quest to save or rescue, cure my son, whatever word you want to use. And I found out uh, probably after about 18 months that despite all my best efforts, he was still in his the throes of his addiction. But what had really happened is I had become a casualty of his addiction as well. My businesses, my business, my health, my relationships all suffered dramatically. And that's when I realized that I needed to do something to reclaim my life. And so I rode my bike for an hour a day for 100 consecutive days in an attempt to find peace and clarity in the chaos. And through those bike rides, it completely transformed my life and changed the way I responded to a lot of things, including my son's situation. And I did find uh, a way to support and encourage and love my child through his addiction without getting uh, caught up in, you know, the stuff that I couldn't control. 
And I have now, through 100 Puddles, have made a commitment to sharing that experience and that opportunity with other parents who are going through similar journeys. It's amazing. It's amazing. And here's what's interesting. I, I mean, I know um, Jeff, well, all of our situations as addict, alcoholic children is different with our parents. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my experience um, was that I think I, I, I did so many, put so many geographics and my parents lived, you know, one lived on the coast and one lived in the Midwest and sort of when it got too hot, one place I'd go to another. So nobody ever really had the full picture of my, my troubles um, from a parent standpoint. And um, that, that's why I think it's fascinating. Why I'm just would love to hear more about um, what this looks like and feels like through a parent's eyes. Cause I just don't know. And um, yeah. Well, he's, he's, um, he's what I would call is he's in compliance. Um, it's the best way to describe it because he's, uh, the court has him on a manage, managed and monitored program, monitor, uh, monitored program um, as they're waiting to sentence him for some of the, his indiscretions. So right now, while he's not really in recovery, he's not, um, he's also not using. So I call it in compliance because the court's got him pretty well bottled up. He can't go anywhere. He can't do a whole lot. They're testing him regularly, but he's not in treatment. So I don't really want to give him credit for recovery yet. Um, my relationship with him is awesome. Um, it hit one of the things that I do share with my, with parents is, is that what is, what happened with this whole situation? Obviously I, I did what I believed every dad would do. when I got the news that my son was, I was living here in Arizona. He was living in Detroit. When I got the news that my son was homeless and he was actually in jail because of his situation, I jumped on a plane and raced to Detroit and I was going to go save my kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, I've always been of that mindset that I was never, ever going to abandon my kid. But there's a difference between enablement and love There's a, right. you know, or enablement and, and unconditional stupidity or whatever. But, uh, you know, so I, I made sure that I didn't I learned how to do that. But the, the good news in the whole process is that my son, you know, knows how much I love him. But then number two is, is that it really forced me, called me out and said, Dave, how can you be a better dad to your son? Cause he needs you now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that it's, it's strengthened our relationship, even though all the stuff between the bookends, you know, the day it started to the day we are here. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a heck of a journey. I mean, so you, I mean, you went through those phases, I mean, of, you know, confusion and heartache and um, I imagine, you know, anger. Uh, yeah. Right. And so what, what was it the, the process of, of just sort of thinking it out in, in a sense, being mindful through those rides over a course of a hundred days that helped you, I mean, I mean, it helped you find the clarity and the peace, I guess, but, um, you know, that sounds remarkable. You know, I still wrestle with some of those issues of, I guess, uh, frustration, maybe, disappointment even um just on a personal level with with i'll say family members um and, and their their challenges with uh substances and 
Yeah, what what happened on those rides? Uh, yeah, I guess how, how do you get there? Because it sounds, you know, it's, powerful. It it was very powerful. But, you know, the way I share this, you know, and, and hopefully you guys might even relate to this, you know, people in recovery might relate to this, is that, you know, I the, the day that I made a decision, I had that aha moment. I was sitting on the porch uh, in, in the middle of the night and my son was gone and my TV set was missing, which wasn't the first time that happened. But I woke up in the middle of the night and realized, you know, the, the, the state of affairs that my life was in. And I would go on the front porch and I would take a moment and, and, and say a prayer for my son and take a moment and say a prayer for myself to get through this craziness. And I did one of those things where I looked around and said, like, dude, you, how many times are you going to do this to yourself? Mm-hmm. And and so I had that that call to action. And, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's an overused phrase. But in some respects, you know, I, I found a bottom that called attention to, to my plate said, you can either stay here or you can change. Mm-hmm. And I and it was a call to action to change. And so that's that's how it, it how it evolved. And I basically went through the thought processes. OK, what do you need to do to change your life? And well, you need to have you need to start your day off in a better place. And I always know that for me, getting up in the morning, going for a bike ride is a good thing. Gotcha. And I had gotten really inconsistent with that. So I said, OK, well, you need to ride your bike every day. Well, what does every day look like? Challenge yourself. Do something that is tangible and measurable. So I threw 100 days on it and an hour on it because that's a little bit of me, the obsessive compulsive kind of person. I had to make it a little bit grandiose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got on those bike rides, that's exactly what happened. I knew why I was riding my bike. It wasn't for health. It was for, well, it wasn't for physical health. It was for mental health. Gotcha. And I, and I would go on those bike rides and I would, I would, I would go with this joy of being on the bike and then my mind would start to race and I would think about the situation. I would think about my conversations with my son. I would think about lessons that I've learned in my past. And by the time I came back from the ride, I had my head was organized for the day. And a lot of times I would even have a saying and I started um, writing, making a journal of my bike ride, the thought, a notion or thought that I had in the bike ride. And I would, you know, develop it and evolve it. And then the next day I would do the same thing. And what it just did was it just organized my, 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 my head that it was a journey in my, it was a journey through my mind, even though I was riding my bike and all the stuff I believed about, taking control of your life and living a more positive, effective um, existence, having better conversations, communicating better, um, living with peace, living in love. I mean, you know, it all sounds like woo-woo stuff, but, you know, we've all had those lessons in our lives, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they get lost or they get confused. And I was able to unfile them and refile them, and that's, that's what the bike rides were about. Uh, great. That's a great question. Did I have any sense of what I was getting into? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and, and the correlating story is, is is that, and I think Chris knows this a little bit, but the correlating story is about 14 years ago, a little over 14 years ago, I had made a conscious decision to give up alcohol at the, at the encouragement of my therapist at the time because I wanted to do some things to change or improve my life. And so one day I just said, okay, I'm not drinking. So I just flipped the switch off. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward six you know, or seven years later, I'm in this situation with my son and I'm thinking, hey, you know, it's just like anything else. You know, I, I gave up. 
yeah, I gave I gave up drinking. You can give up drugs. Just you have to have to get your head right. And so that's how I went into it until you go through the journey and you realize that there's not enough motivation in the world to solve somebody whose brain is right. truly been rewired or, or, you know, reconfigured to love the crave and, mm-hmm. and, and, and support it. And there was a period of, of you had to work through that, right? There was an, probably an extended period of saying, why don't, can't he just quit? Why don't you just quit? Right. Oh, or not. yes. At yeah, least. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I probably, you know, you know, if for I don't guess the best example is I probably out Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins for about the first year with my son. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I can guarantee you, I thought, man, I, I'm I, I can motivate my son. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best inspiration, motivational speaker. This guy. I mean, I I did everything to give him, uplift him, love him, coach him, encourage him. I rah rah and cheered him, and I gave him books to read and sayings to hear and hugs and. You know, and I just thought, gosh, man, you know, I'm just like totally failing at this, thinking that that's all he needed was just the love and support of his father, and he would figure this out. And it's it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. But, you know, everybody, every parent feels that, that desire, especially a dad. You know, dads are wired to, to fix things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can think of that family situation where the family's all sitting around the kitchen table trying to think something, figure something out, and dad comes walking and says, "Okay, everybody step aside, let me fix it. Mm-hmm. Let me take, let me take care of it." And so that's exactly how I felt it. I told my wife, "Say, hey, take a chill. I got this. This is my son. I, and I, you know, I've coached the soccer teams. I've gone to his parent-teacher conferences. I know how he's wired. I can figure this out for him." Okay, and so at what point did you realize there was nothing you could do? What, at what point did you realize heroin was going to trump this whole thing? Probably the time that I probably realized it more than anything else that heroin was a bigger thing than this was um, was you know about the time right before I went on that you know I decided to take the challenge because I had exhausted everything and that's when I realized that whatever it was I was fighting was bigger than me and that's and bigger than him and that's when I really started to pay more attention to going to the learning curve to understand what addiction was because all I was was I was still in this I can figure this out mode mm-hmm. and so I became instead of being a dad who to better understand what it was that I was dealing with yeah was there was there a period I mean within this how, how many years has it been I'm sorry that- it's been eight it's eight been eight years. years. Yeah, so, I would say. Well, officially, I officially I learned six years ago. Okay. He was had about he had about two years where I didn't. Realize, I was completely okay. oblivious to yeah, right. the situation, mainly because he was living in a different city. Right, which me, is so. critical to yeah. maintaining one's addiction is sort of that distance. Um, so, uh, in that period, those, those six years, is there? Did you set up any sort of repercussions if he didn't sort of? You know that that sort of intervention theory that the the, um, the consequences were, were there ever any time, thing times that uh, you sort of did step away and, and leave him to his own devices again, or or has he been with you at home the whole time? He's he's um, I would say yes. There's been a time where there was a time where I finally drew some boundaries, but it was probably. Right. Um, Let's see, go back to the timeline of four years I did the bike ride. I'd say it was probably still took another two years before I really 
um, start to get clearer on the boundaries. You can't live here, or if you're going to live here, here's the constructs under which you're going to live. Because mm -hmm. it took a, it took about two years for me really to get that right. You know, and and that's that's a you know you're talking about experiences that parents have is, is that there's that piece that you you know we look at the situation we see it, it's our son and then we see this son who's um, living the life of addiction right. and we always you know I should say we I'll just talk about me but I had this this um, consistent belief that somehow or other. Um, he was figuring it out or he could figure it out. And I didn't want to be that dad that threw my son out on the street to find out that that didn't, that that was, that it ended up in the worst possible outcome. I was afraid of that outcome. Mm -hmm. And, and then, so even though I was in a better place and I was doing some things to give him some distance and some space to make his own choices, I still was giving him a soft landing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and after about two years of soft landings and yeah. much, disappointment then i finally realized that you know time out he he needs to experience what he's going to experience and i have to trust that that's his journey yeah that's the hardest part isn't it God, it's the yeah. hardest part yeah letting yeah. someone hit a bottom who you love and, and yeah I, and it's I a train wreck yeah. yeah i can't even imagine that you know i mean my parent my parents are both um they're in recovery you know they're recovering alcoholics and i when i was struggling i, I i'm very close to my parents i talk to my father twice a day i talk to my mom as mm -hmm. often as possible and just to hear you know they 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 there was a point in which my mom didn't want to talk to me anymore and my dad, the calls were less frequent, and mm -hmm. they knew I was struggling. And just, I, I can't imagine as a father having the strength to do that. Because yeah. as you said, we're fixers, you know, and, yeah. and, and you want, we're hardwired for that unconditional love, and we assume we can make it better. And to be able to take a little step back and, and set boundaries and so on and so forth, yeah. and that just, it, it takes a lot of courage. I yeah. Think. The, with the right, your last time, your dad was, he was, done with you for a, a couple of days like yeah, my dad was you calling off. jeff yeah he's <laughs> like I, i'm you know he'd given you up to yeah. god or we just you know just turned the whole thing over um so yeah it's funny it was there did you ever come across al-anon or was there ever any of any of that did it did you ever go to an al-anon meeting or anything like that or did you just sort of discover this whole path by yourself well i, I at the encouragement of others i did go to a couple of al-anon meetings yeah and you know it it just was not for me. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously the 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 upside is is that Al-Anon serves different people, just like everything. You know, there's there's always something for somebody. Right. Um, Al-Anon wasn't my thing. What I did find though is, is that there was I was I would call it the amazement that that whole notion that you're not alone. I wasn't the only guy mm -hmm. or the only only parent going through this crazy. Um, experience so that you know it, it, I did find some some comfort in that what was what my struggle with Al-Anon was is that because I am you know I'm a, I'm a natural type A kind of guy it's like okay my life sucks I'm in this place how do I get to the next place and I couldn't see people moving off that spot of pain mm -hmm. in Al-Anon I said I can't I can't sit in these rooms where people aren't talking about changing their lives. They're talking about the pain in their life. I get it. Now let's change your life. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't, there wasn't a really good forum for that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go figure this out for myself. And, um, that's when I dove into books. I, you know, talked to other people, um, who 
had other experiences. I found a community, you know, I just say I found a community online, but I found a, enough people online to interact with or stories to read that I could, I could say, okay, now I'm starting to understand this better. Yeah. And, and you've mentioned uh, when I was on yours and, and just, uh, just now that, you know, with alcohol, I mean, it sounds like you decided it, it, it had played enough of a role in your life, it, mm-hmm. not a dependence issue. And you, you got rid of it. You removed it from your life. Um, is have you had any any experience with addiction in your own family beyond your son or or sort of substance issues well you know i i i do know that um i have a family member who you know has has given up alcohol but you know fortunately or unfortunately um i'm not very close to them so Mm -hmm. basically we're related but we're not close i know their story but Mm -hmm. um yeah, and it's yeah, not so much it, your story. I was just curious if, if you, you've had opportunity to, I don't know, um, you know, share what you're you're going through within your family beyond your son or, or anything. Just just curious not, as a. Not really. No, yeah. it's, it just doesn't it doesn't go that way. Because um, I mean, what's me. really fascinating about what you're doing is you know as as three of us you know here addicts alcoholics in recovery all fathers. Um, we're sort of, you know, yeah, waiting, biding our time. You know, we, we're, we yeah. also know that this travels, um, <clears throat> yeah. you know, through through blood to some degree, and um, you know, we I know we all think about what it means for our children, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, it's it's a huge part. It's like one of the the three legs uh, on which uh, this whole project was was founded um, was you know sort of friends and and family on either side, so. Um, yeah, and and your son, he he knows he's the the focus of the Hundred Petals project and and the work you're doing. Um, how does he feel about that? Well, my son's been amazing from day one. Um, you know, basically that night that I made the decision to ride my bike, I kind of spent a couple of days organizing. I didn't like to roll out of bed the next day and ride my bike. I said, I'm going to make sure I do this because if I'm going to commit to 100 days, I want to yeah, get my it. head right. Yeah, so I gave myself a couple of days, and so he kind of wandered back into my life a couple of days later, and I said, guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? And he says, what? And I told him I was going to ride my bike for the next 100 days for an hour a day. He says, wow, Dad, that's really cool. And, and I says, you know, I'm, what I'm, you know, I have no idea where this is going to lead. And he says, that's probably the coolest thing, one of the neatest things that you've ever done. And then a couple of weeks later, as, we were, as I ran into him again, and, and we were talking, and I said, you know, I've been writing, keeping a journal. I said, I think we'll start my blog. And he goes, oh, that's really cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but in order for me to tell my story, I'm going to have to really share yours. He says, go for it. Mm-hmm. He says, if that's, if that's going to help you do what you're doing, if it's going to help others, do it. So that's been his mindset from pretty much day one, um, four years ago. And when he's, when he's clean... And when he's sober, he has done radio shows with me. Okay. Uh, he was on the news with me um, a week and a half ago here. They did a feature on 100 Puddles here in Phoenix. And the news anchor uh, interviewed him as well as me. And he you know, told his you know, his little thing that he knows that no matter what, his, his dad loves him and his, that I got his back. And I thought that was really cool. But he also you know, said, you know, I've got my struggle and he's not going to fight my struggle for me. Okay. So he's, he's been great. He's been a, he's been a he's been a, a gift in that sense because he's encouraged me all the way. I just wish that he would get the message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and do you think? I mean, he he 
he can intellectualize it. He's just struggling with the the literal dependence, um, right? I mean, he knows he knows what's going. On. I mean, knows why you, he knows why you're doing what you're doing, um, and he knows he's already suffered consequences. So it's he's just having a real challenge. Um, just an addict. Just an addict. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, it, it's it's the thing. As as you know, I mean, there's there's a couple things. Is you know, the, the desire to quit and the ability to quit are right. two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in definitely in that place where what he's doing he doesn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his brain hasn't healed itself. He hasn't been clean enough to allow himself to um, heal the heal the mind yet and so he has those struggles he keeps a lid on his addiction for a while then it blows up on him and Mm -hmm. something bad happens and so that's the thing is is at some point in time he's going to have to figure out a way to be clean for at least a year to allow Mm -hmm. his brain to heal so he can accomplish some of the other things he desires to accomplish but you know it's it's on his it's on his to-do list but you know how we you know how to-do lists look like sometimes we don't get to them Mm -hmm. so and self-knowledge is never you know, just a mindfulness of your own addiction and of your own situation is never enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just being cognizant of what you're doing and not enjoying it. And, you know, when, when you, as you said, when, when your brain's rewired and, and you're in the throes, um, there's the, no amount of self-knowledge can, can right. pull you out of it. Well, and it's funny, you know, there's there's a saying in, in recovery, 90 meetings in 90 days. And this it's funny that you, can, I don't know if you had ever heard that before you chose to do 100 mm, days. That's interesting. But... Um, it's, it's that, and it, I wonder if that's, there's something about that, like this three month or hundred days, this thing where you make it a literally, habit or, yeah. now it's a habit, change your behavior, you yeah. literally change your behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's, it seems like you, you now have written, you know, you've, you're speaking now and you're, you started this project. What, what are other, some of other people doing that come to you that, you know, for a hundred days to change, change how they're behaving. How you inspire yeah. other people. Well, that's the well. One of the things that we did was is that I've encouraged because a lot of parents look and they say, oh, "I don't know if I could ride my bike for an hour a day," right? You know, and I get that, and I have to remind them. Say, let's be mindful of the challenge that I gave to myself and the absurdity of it in some respects, the desperation of it in others. Yeah. But I said to them, I said, "Look, here's the here's the key to this. Anything that you're going to do is that you have to decide what it is you want to accomplish, and it's not like." And a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to lose 60 pounds or I want to, you know, run a marathon or something like that. So let's go for simplifying that a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you want to lose 60 pounds, it's more like, okay, I want to have better health. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, yeah, that would be a good place to start. Cool. <laughs> What's the first thing you need to do that you know you need to do that you could do to move in that direction? They say, well, I probably should eat less cookies. Cool. Why don't you say for the next 100 days, I'm going to go cookie free. Interesting. Yeah. And then they go, well, where's that going to lead me? How's that going to get me where I want to go? Because you know, deep down inside, I want to lose 60 pounds. Got it. Do that for a while and see where it takes you. Yeah. And when you – so what I've done with people is, is that, the you know, I did, I did a um, – my friends resented it when I told them later that I knew what I was doing was that they were, I did a human lab experiment and I didn't tell them until afterwards. Yeah. But 
but I did a lab experiment with a bunch of friends. I said, how many people would like to take the 100-day challenge? I said, they had you know, a bunch of people raise their hands. I said, I had 25 people. And I said, okay, cool. Everybody tell everybody else. And I didn't do any coaching. Everybody share with everybody else what they're going to do. And I had one guy say, I'm going to run five miles a day. And another guy said, I'm going to make 25 phone calls a day for to grow my business and that kind of stuff. And I wrote down their thing, and I wrote down when I thought that they would, when I thought that they would burn out. And then I had another woman say, "I'm going to learn something new every day." And another woman said, "I'm going to do something positive for myself every day." And I wrote down, "Those people are going to make it." And sure enough, the people that I, that I thought would burn out burned out almost exactly when I thought hmm. they'd burn out because what they did was they tried to eat the elephant right away. Right. Right. And the other people said, you know, learning something new every day became an adventure. And what they ended up doing was their daughter started then helping them learn something every day. And then that became the adventure of when the woman came home from work is, what did you do? What did you learn new today, mom? And then they would talk about it. And she would learn something new. And the whole family got into learning something new. And what it did was it, then they started bringing out books mm-hmm. and they started reading books together a book that they've always wanted to read or that they'd heard about. And it just evolved in this whole big learning experience. It wasn't learning something new every day. It became talking about learning something completely every day. You know, like mm-hmm. just what did, I, what did I learn or what did I discover in this, this experience? And those are the things that I think 100 Puddles could teach people is you can change your life in dramatic ways in 100 days, but you don't need to start out by having it be dramatic. Right. Right. It's a manageable chunk. And the idea isn't that everybody should go ride their bike for 100 days for an hour. Um, right. It's it's find that that thing that you can do. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole thing, you know, that's the that's the difference is the evolution is obviously I started out with something that was on the on the side of insane. You know, I mean, I rode my, I was in enough shape that I knew I could ride my bike for an hour a day for 30 days. I didn't know if I could ride my bike an hour a day for 60 days, but 60 days didn't sound like enough. I wanted it to be something that really stretched my imagination because for me, um, I had a, I had an ulterior motive. The ulterior motive was, is I wanted to try to find a way to put myself in my son's shoes. How can I make a commitment to do something for a period of time that I have no idea if I can or how I can? Because we're going to people who are dealing with addictions and saying, you have to envision a world where you're never, ever going to use drugs for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, holy crap, that's got to be the most unrealistic expectation because we can't do and give up anything for the rest of our life. Right. Well, right. And I mean, certainly from the perspective of the, the active addict, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a genuinely terrifying thought. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, which it's, is, it's unfathomable yeah, when you you're can't, on the other side. You can't. Um, it that's really is. The, that's why you say one day at a time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's and that's the whole basis since right now. Yeah. yeah. That's right. It, yeah. Yeah. You you live in the moment, so you do it in manageable chunks. So the, the right. idea is is that um, recovery, changing your life, any of those things, having a better relationship, every one of those things is about making sure that you take a consist, continuous, systematic step forward every day in the direction you desire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you do that, you will find that you will take different steps or you will do different tactics as you grow and evolve and become mm-hmm. stronger. Your recovery, you know, for the three you guys, your recovery behavior, your recovery activities are different today than they were whenever you started on your journey of sobriety. Absolutely, yeah. How did you get there? You evolved. Exactly, yeah. Just. Uh... It's not about making the commitment. It's about completion and it's about the – finality of doing something you set out to do you know mm-hmm. i mean i um i make commitments all the time that i don't keep but 
<laughs> I'll make some right well, now. But, you know, I mean, honestly, it's it's just that finishing that one day, or in your case, the the 100 days, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the finishing that yeah. I think is really what's what's special, that sense of accomplishment. In, in the sense, of, in the sense I, you know, I, that you said you make commitments every day and you kind of joke about it, and that's really true, we all do. But that was, became, and I didn't spend, I haven't obsessed about it lately, but when I first came, got done with the, the 100-day challenge, I did talk to people about um, making commitments you can honor and honor com- the commitments you can make. And the reason I talk to people about that is because a lot of times we tell people, yeah, I'll do that. And so people, you know, there's there's soft contracts or there's hard contracts. And I used to share with people, say, you know, don't tell somebody that you're going to do something when you don't know that you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, you have to do it because that's the commitment you made. Well, yeah, but I really intended to. Well, intended isn't a commitment. Intended is saying I'm hoping to. Mm-hmm. Commitment says I will. And so I got real. I became real literal with people, and they kind of like first for a while were getting annoyed with me. I said, "Well, either you are or you aren't. Yeah. Either you're hoping to or you will." And then let's clarify this right now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Dave. So, the the way you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering before 100 pedals began, you were you were doing something. You had a profession. And you said that that was being challenged by the, the, the issues with your son as you were going through them. Um, now it seems like 100 Pedals Project is what you do. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, can I ask what you did before? I was a, I was a trainer, um, coach, strategist for businesses. Okay. Basically, you know, I, I was a sales guy, and I would go into underperforming businesses and help them <laughs> figure out a way to better perform so we'd go in and say okay here's the problem let's do let's figure out what's the cause of the problem let's find alternatives to solving it mm-hmm. and and put it to work so, so it's interesting many, you had some some sk- i mean you had a really deep skill area. set yeah. to, to bring to bear on this which yeah. is interesting yeah um well it's well it's a great it's a great irony in my life is is that um yeah. two things two things that it's funny how you know you you uh, i don't know if you guys have had this experience but in my life i've laid two tracks that have com- completely come full circle. The first track is is that I was a horrible student in school, horrible, mm-hmm. the worst ever in high school. All, the only reason I graduated is because I wanted to be, and I was a competitive swimmer, and I never wanted to be off the swim team. So I just stayed eligible enough to swim. And lo and behold, I stayed eligible enough to graduate as well. <laughs> but when I was in high school, I took every single possible speaking class that was available in the curriculum at the school. In fact, I was excused from study hall to audit classes that I didn't even get grades for. And I was, uh, the teachers loved me because I was a good student there. I was a terrible student in the stuff I was given, but I was a great student in the stuff I loved. So I learned the gift of speaking in high school. The the second piece is when I was in college, I switched my major after one summer. I interned, accidental interned with the head swim coach at Ohio State University. And he told me, he said, man, he said, why don't you just transfer to Ohio State and you can come work for me. And that's when I made a decision that I wanted to coach swimming. And so I got an education degree and I was going to coach swimming. Well, you know, fast forward, I got married, had kids, decided I couldn't make enough money teaching and coaching, so I switched into the profession of sales. But, you know, 30-some years later, magically, lo and behold, here I am. I'm a speaker and a coach. Interesting. Which is so cool. That is cool. Well, just knowing what motivates people and looking at it, it's it's interesting just to hear this journey and how you immediately saw how this this 
this experience you went through could translate and everyone could learn for it and how you could how you could package it up and sell it. It's really it's great because that's all what it's all about. So you also do speaking. Who like what what kind of groups do you speak to? I primarily speak to like, well, but, but anybody will have me, but sure. I speak in, yeah. anyway, I speak in, well it's because you know I, I am I am proud of my story. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and and I find great joy in, you know, hope giving parents hope and opportunity to to find things in their life and people who are battling with addictions. <laughs> but um, generally the groups that I speak to are uh, I've gone to business organizations, professional organizations, all the way down to small parent groups like uh, you know, we won't say Al Anon invites me, but you know, other kind of Al Anon like right. uh, parent support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I've uh, this year I don't have a trip planned, but the last two years, last three years, I have taken my thrown my bike on the back of my car and I've driven around the country and basically had little Dave revival sessions wherever people would have me, and then ride my bike in the city and you know get a tour and give a talk and then drive to the next city and give it get a tour and give a talk. Cool. And I, I I love that stuff. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm I'm working on getting an RV right now and a crew because I last year I made a trip all the way to Boston back I was I drove eight thousand miles over thirty five days, and I said if I'm doing this again I'm I'm we're not I'm not doing it alone. Yeah, holy, <laughs> shit. that's awesome. Well, if you if you drive through St. Louis, make sure yeah. you um you know honk yeah. holler. I will. How many <laughs> how many know. how many TVs <laughs> did uh, did your son steal? <laughs> Jeff's trying to put it against his own. My own stealing of televisions. <laughs> he only stole one, but he stole it three times. Interesting. <laughs> Good. So I don't know—is that three or is that one? Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, did, did it? Yeah. <laughs> that's I, funny. I made the I made the parental mistake of deciding I wanted my TV back and getting the slip from him from the pawn shop, and he and I would go to the pawn shop, and I'd give the guy a hundred bucks, and he'd give me my TV back, and yeah. then you know, um, so I don't know. I, I, you know, Best Buy's got nothing. I paid more for it with the pawn shop than I right. did the first time I bought it from Best Buy. <laughs> that's that is an awesome. That's probably just typical of what happened. You know, just I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have mm-hmm. my the same TV stolen three times. That's the insanity. It's just I'm sure that's exactly what you went through. Yeah, and we can all absolutely relate. All yeah, just the constant lying and the constant. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. It's, it's tough. I mean, um, you know, it. it Sometimes when I think too deeply and let my anxieties run wild about, uh, you know, whatever, 10 or, or sooner years from now when, when, you know, my daughter's sort of being introduced to this, I guess, yeah. um, or, you know, uh, substances, uh, you know, it gives me <laughs> chills sometimes. I mean, is there any sort of bedrock foundation advice that you give to parents, like any... I mean, I know you asked me for nuggets, a nugget of wisdom at the last time, and I struggled, and I hesitate to ask you to give away your, uh, you know, your, your trade secrets. But uh, is there one thing? Is there the one? No. Yeah, a bit of advice to pass on. Did we lose you? We he's, lost. He's you. thinking. I think we lost him. Right, let's call Dave back. Dave. That was like, okay, so Dave, the meaning of life is... We'll edit all this part out, right? That was dead air. They won't even know. People who are listening to this will not even know that we lost it. <laughs>
Okay. I didn't turn on my machine until late. Sorry about that. I know. We might have to. But I think I bet it'll be okay because I'm. I was sitting. You're probably. You don't even want to go there. <laughs>